Hi again, everyone. Thanks for joining us on LJN Radio. I'm Tim Muma. On this edition of Moving Up the Ladder, we're talking about thinking creatively and how you can make it a daily habit. To do that, we're going to speak with somebody who has a lot of experience with this. His name is Scott Eblin. He's an executive coach and speaker. He's also the author of Overworked and Overwhelmed, The Mindfulness Alternative. Scott, thanks a lot for joining us today. Happy to, Tim. Great to be back. The idea of creative thinking, uh, I'm pretty sure all of us have had those uh, you know, times where we just could not come up with something we wanted to think about or strategize about, whether it be in our personal lives or in our professional lives. So I thought this was an interesting topic in that you had some ideas yourself that, of things that might work, whether it be, again, for yourself, maybe it's within you know, your own company. My first question is, does this have anything to do or relate to how we end up having these great ideas in the shower or when we're driving, times where you wouldn't think that we'd have these great ideas? Yeah, it's really interesting because I do a lot of leadership development workshops with executives and managers. And one of my favorite questions to ask them is where or when do you get your best ideas? And like you suggested, everybody says, well, like in the shower or while I'm out for a run or (laughs) commuting to work or whatever. And that's always the case. Like 98% of the people give those kinds of answers. And then the follow-up question I like to ask is, so does anybody get their best ideas sitting at your desk in front of your computer? (laughs) And they just laugh, you know, because nobody gets their best ideas there. And then the interesting question that you can get into conversation about is like, why is that? You know, and that's that's kind of the point of the the article that we wrote up about this topic. Yeah, I definitely want to dive into some details with that and, uh, you know, just kind of talk it through a little bit. The first one I saw on the list was the idea of just letting it go. What does that really mean to let it go? Because, of course, it's a little counterintuitive because you think you stop thinking about it, then you're never going to come up with a solution. Yeah, you know, I think that our the challenge is, or maybe the it's both a challenge and an opportunity really, is we quite often approach problems as if, as like they're just linear. You know, if I mm. just sit here long enough, A is going to lead to B, and that's going to lead to C and right. D and E, and I'm going to figure out the next hundred steps. But Problems or you know challenges that we're working on in our work and our lives in general are rarely linear, you know, and and so sitting there longer and continuing to grind on it usually isn't going to lead to a really productive <laughs> outcome. So you've got to have faith, uh, you know, actually, and just if I step away from this, I'm likely to come up with some ideas that are that are going to make a difference on this, and it's just sort of you know like letting it go, walking away from the desk, walking away from the problem for a little bit and just letting your mind focus on some other things. You know, it's fascinating. You bring up the idea of us wanting to at least believe that there's a linear process to finding, again, the solution or coming up with that great idea. Do you have any insight into why that is, why we lean that way? Yeah, I don't know. You know, I think about like instruction manuals, sure. you know, it's, it's like very, you know, you, you get the piece of furniture from Ikea and <laughs> you know, yep. it's, it's all laid out there. Theoretically, it is. That's always a challenge, the Ikea, Ikea stuff. But I, I think, yeah, we're looking for an instruction manual, a step-by-step guide, and, and we're kind of wired to want that. that. You know, it would be great if everything was that clear and, and simple. But again, most of the time it's not. That's funny you bring that up because uh, my wife must be way more creative because I will follow those instructions to a T and she'll be like, no, I got this. I'll just put it together. It's fine. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I think they're better at it than we are. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad you're with me on that one. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, with the idea of letting it go, you mentioned sort of, a, sort of a compliment to that. And that's the idea of just getting up and moving around. What's been the, your experience? What's been kind of the idea behind that being effective in terms of actually moving as opposed to, as you said, sitting at your desk? Yeah, well, that's interesting because it ties back really to 
some research that's coming out uh, over the last several years that I like to summarize, and a lot of people summarize with the headline, sitting is the new smoking. And Mm. as we become more desk-bound, we end up sitting on our rear ends for eight or nine or 10 hours a day. And that has a couple of impacts. One, just from a physical standpoint, it's about the same impact on your long-term life expectancy as smoking a pack of cigarettes every day. So you really, just for your physical health, you need to get up and move. Yikes. But also for your mental focus, and you need to get up and move like every hour, really. That's what the research is showing for five or 10 minutes. And what's interesting about that is most people can only stay on task somewhere between 45, maybe 75 minutes, somewhere in that range before their mental focus begins to lessen or degrade. Mm -hmm. And by getting up and moving for five or 10 minutes and just kind of moving your body around, you're giving your brain something else to think about. And when you come back, the the research that I've read shows that you're likely to be 30% more focused mentally than you were when you took the break, right? So it has a lot of benefits, both physically and mentally, in terms of your performance and your overall health and well-being. I think it kind of relates too to so often when, when I ask that question, where or when do you get your best ideas, the first thing people say is when I'm running, when I'm exercising. And, you know, again, there's a connection there. It's, it, it gives your body that opportunity for unconscious thought. Mm-hmm. Your brain needs time to put the neural connections together. And uh, that doesn't happen when you're actively thinking about the problem. Yeah, that is fascinating just how that does seem to work in that way. Along those lines, I mentioned when we chatted right off the top there that sometimes we would love to do stuff like that, but maybe the company isn't keen on seeing people walking around so much or whatever the situation might be. What would you say to those employers who have your typical office with the cubicles? Would you suggest something formal to put into place as far as that movement or or just being a little loose with how things happen there? Well, it's interesting, you know, because I, more and more employers, I think, are recognizing in the in the way their offices are designed right. that uh, in the newer, more progressive places that I've been in lately, just as a coach and a, and a consultant, there's a lot of different kinds of workspaces, and so it's it's not really cubicleville so much anymore. In many offices, there it's really designed for people to work individually and separately in multiple different kinds of settings. Might be a little conversation pit. It might be a, a little phone booth, almost a size kind of a thing. We don't have phone booths anymore, but <laughs> you know, not 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 much bigger than that sure. in terms of just a kind of a hidey hole, you know, if you will, a different place to go work. I mean, it's why people like Starbucks so much, right? Mm-hmm. Among other things, it's just a different place to be, and it kind of changes up the pattern, you know, like. I'm not sitting staring at the same four cubicle walls for eight hours a day. That visual input and I'm moving my body in a different way to, to get my work done in this space can really stimulate the creative thinking. I like how you brought that together, the idea of the moving and sort of having that freedom with the idea of changing it up, because that's really you know what you're talking about there and changing the scenery. Do you see that continuing to be a trend where remote working and telecommuting and sort of allowing people those freedoms to create their own space or find their own space that's going to work for them. Do you see that being a positive trend that's going to be happening among employers? Yeah, I think it is happening. I think it's going to continue to happen. You know, just from a purely economic standpoint, the more uh, telecommuting that employers encourage, the lower their their rent is. (laughs) (laughs) I, I I don't need so much square footage to you know, house all these people during their workday. And so a lot of employers are moving in that direction purely just for economic reasons, but I think they're also finding productivity benefits as people really all you need to do work today is a good internet connection, right? Sure. And as long as we have that 
and there's so many different ways to and places to get that good internet connection. There are lots of different options on how work gets done and, and where it gets done. I think both sides benefit from that, the employer and the employee. Another part of this idea of creative thinking and trying to strategize items or, or again, you know, accomplish something that is challenging for you is I talk to a lot of individuals, and I feel it myself too, is that you just don't feel you have time to simply sit and think or create because of the day-to-day tasks and being able to take care of those. And whether it's personally feeling like you're not getting something done or you're worried your manager is going to look at you and be like, well, what have you gotten done? And you can't show them anything in terms of results. How do you get past that and being able to really, I guess, allow yourself to think and create in those ways? Well, you know, very few knowledge workers or people who use their brains more than their body are working in a production line kind of environment, right? You know, where I've I've got to turn out so many widgets an hour Mm -hmm. or, you know, like Lucy and Ethel with the chocolate, you know, it's it's just (laughs) like, you know, it just keeps coming and coming. So if if you're in a job really where the results you're trying to get or that you're responsible for getting are not that per units per hour kind of job, then all that matters is that you get it done when it's due. Right, right. <laughs> By the time that it's due. And there are some, still some places and there's still some, some bosses where FaceTime is like really important. And, you know, if you're not here, then you're not working. I think that's less and less the case. I think the other thing to really pay attention to is your calendar and how it gets used. I mean, hmm. many of the people that I work with are in meetings all day long, back-to-back-to-back meetings, you know, like racked and stacked. And that doesn't leave a lot of time for the unconscious thought where the really good problem solving occurs. You know, you're just talking about solving the problem. You're not really solving the problem. Mm-hmm. That's driven and, and facilitated by group calendars like Outlook. You know, so people go on Outlook and they, they search for open times. Okay, I'm going to schedule a meeting with all these people because everybody's open at that time. Sure. Well, what a lot of my clients do, and it really works for them as a success strategy, is they, and it's kind of a simple, obvious thing but they block out the time on their calendar they'll, uh, and they'll privatize it, right? So nobody can take it from them. Right. They'll block out. I've heard as little as two hours a week. I've heard as many as six or eight hours a week for think time, you know, and that's not just sitting in your office waiting for the idea to come. It's just, it might be reading. It might be uh, working on a project. Some of these projects that require some some focused time without interruption for a few hours, you know, so they'll give themselves time to really go deep on a project and read a few things, look at some reports, look at old things that they've done, connect the dots to come up with, you know, whatever it is they're charged with uh, coming up with. I'll fully admit that. I mean, that sounds like a great idea to do that because I oftentimes just leave my calendar open thinking that gives me flexibility. But then, as you said, uh, I have it no excuse. Right, exactly. Yeah. Because it looks yeah. open. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that is a great piece of advice for people who might be struggling to, at least in their minds, find that time to really get that think time. The last part of this uh, that was mentioned was the idea of sleeping on it. Does that really work? We hear, we've heard that all the time, I'm sure, but does it really work? Yeah, it absolutely does. I mean, there, there's science to prove it. You know, when, when I first uh, heard about this and really started thinking about it, it was several years ago, I heard a presentation from a guy who designs simulations for leadership and education programs for corporations is the kind of thing where like, you know, you spend a couple of days and you and your colleagues are in a situation where you're the make-believe leadership team of a company 
and you've got to make decisions and your results are fed into the software that's running the simulation. And you come back, you get your financial reports for the previous quarter. Oh my gosh, that that product we launched didn't really work and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And so you're, you're learning you know, business, you're learning leadership skills and that kind of thing through these simulations. He said the key to a really good design on one of those is they really have to be done over two days. And you want to end the first day with just a huge trough, a huge dip of like, oh my gosh, we're never going to be able to solve this problem. And you want them going home with that idea. Oh my gosh, I don't know what we're going to do. Because invariably what happens when they come back the next morning is they've slept on it and it's like the answer's obvious. Hmm. And the challenge he has is more and more companies are wanting to condense these two-day simulations into like four hours. And sure. you, don't, you don't have the time for the brain to really work through the problem-solving process as it's designed to do. And because when you're sleeping, there are neural networks and connections and synapses that connect around a particular problem. You know, has that ever happened to you, Tim? I mean, when you go to bed, you know, you don't know what you're going to do about a problem. You have a good night's sleep. You wake up the next morning and it's like, oh, that's what I should do. Oh, sure. Definitely, happened? yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. It, we all experience that, right? And that there's neurobiology that's going on that enables that. I think you're right about uh, the idea, too, of pushing, you know, the idea of speed and getting things done quickly. I have a guest on pretty regularly, and we talk about that idea of efficiency versus effectiveness. And I, th- I feel like even there, that's a little bit of that uh, clashing of the two, um, not giving people that time to sort of sleep on it or at least think about it a little more. Right. Well, Scott, I think you've given us some great insider insight into this, um, you know, and some practical advice really for people who maybe are struggling in this area or looking for something new. I want to give you the floor at the end. What would you like to leave the listeners with regarding having that habit of creative thinking or, or being able to improve it in some way in your workplace? Believe that you can. Believe that you're capable of creative thinking and give yourself a little bit of space to prove that out. Very well put. Nice and succinct as well. Scott, thanks a lot for joining us. We do appreciate it. Tim, my pleasure. Thanks. And with that, we will wrap up this edition of Moving Up the Ladder and our conversation with Scott Eblen, executive coach and speaker, as well as the author of Overworked and Overwhelmed, The Mindfulness Alternative. And today we were talking about the idea of creative thinking and how we can all make that a daily habit for ourselves. If you'd like to give us some feedback on this show or maybe suggest a future topic, Send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also find us on Twitter at the LJN. And be sure to check out all of our episodes on iTunes. Just search LJN Radio in the iTunes store. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.